Let me invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 27 this evening. Genesis chapter 27. Uh, often the unbelieving don't recognize what is right. They, they see what they think is right and then they try to mimic it. And that's what we'll see tonight with Esau here at the end of Genesis chapter 27. Esau uh, needs to, to uh, respond to God in repentance and faith, just like Frank does. But Esau doesn't know how to do this. And that's because he hasn't been given the eyes, the spiritual eyes to see. And so instead of doing what is right, he mimics what he thinks is right and he gets himself into more trouble. We'll see this here in Genesis chapter 27. Beginning with verse 41, I'll read through chapter 28 and verse 9. So tw- Genesis chapter 27, and I'll begin verse 41. This is the Word of God. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to Haran to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides. Until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Hesh or the Hittite women that his that Esau married. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May He also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take to himself a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. That Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married besides the wives that he had, Mahalalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. This passage is really uh, focusing on Esau, although we will talk about Jacob fleeing from the presence of his brother so that he's not killed by him. This passage is really about Esau. And what we're going to see tonight is that the wicked alienate themselves further from God and His blessing by trying to mimic what is right. The wicked alienate themselves further from God and His blessing by trying to mimic what is right. The first thing that we see in verses 41 through 45 of chapter 27 is that the wicked alienate themselves by responding to grace with anger. 
The wicked alienate themselves by responding to grace with anger. We see this in verse 41. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. The first word in verse 41 shows that this passage is connected to the last. It says, So there. So he bore a grudge. What was the last event that took place in the book of Genesis? Do you remember Jacob? Uh, Isaac had sent Esau out into the field to gather some some food for him and to and to prepare a meal for Isaac so that Isaac could give him his final blessing. Isaac was expecting to die. It turns out that Isaac would live for another 43 years. At this time, Isaac was uh, was pretty old in his 140s, I think it was, and and um, and his eyesight was going bad. And so Jacob, you remember the story where Jacob uh, comes in before his brother, grabs some goats that are nearby, kills them. His mother cooks a, a meal for his father. Jacob takes it in and puts the, the, the wool from the goat on him, the, the skin from the goat on, on his arm so that his father would be deceived. And his father gives the blessing to Jacob instead of Esau. And uh, the blessing really had to do with the the governmental power that that these that he would have over his brother, that Esau would be subservient to his brother. It wasn't so much the material blessing that was the birthright that Jacob had already bought from Esau earlier. This is more the the uh, the the power that 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 uh, the the, um, the the rule would be of Jacob over his young his older brother Esau. And it would also be where the messianic line would come through. That would, that is, that where the Messiah would come. That he would come through Jacob's line, not through Esau's. And so Jacob uh, stole that away. Really, he deceived it away from his brother, even though God had already intended to give it to him. And so the result of that is that this wicked brother of his, Esau, alienates himself by responding to this grace that his brother had received. Uh, with anger. And this grudge led him to desire at the end of the verse, verse 41, to kill his brother. He still has, you see there, some level of morality. He doesn't want to kill his brother while his dad's still alive. He's going to let his dad die so his dad doesn't have to see that or, or have to experience that in any way. He respects his father enough so he has some level of morality, but he still wants to kill his brother, which is not the right thing to do. Now, why would Esau want to kill his brother? I mean, obviously, he he had some anger there, but what would that do for him? I mean, would that bring the blessing back to him? Certainly, it did have something to do with his anger. It would probably satisfy his anger for his brother, but also had to do with the blessing that Jacob had taken from him. Esau, being the last one, the only one left to receive the blessing, would now receive the blessing that Jacob was going to receive. And... uh, and Jacob didn't want to fight for it. So his mom uh, finds out what's going on and she sends him away. And that's why he needs to flee in verses 42 through 45. Jacob was happy to deceive for the blessing. His brother Esau was happy to kill for the blessing. So Jacob's mother finds out about it and she intervenes on behalf of Jacob again. The first time she did it in order to get him to deceive his father and give the blessing to to Jacob instead of Esau. This time she seeks to protect him from his impulsive brother. And in order for him to be protected, notice what she tells 
him to do at the end of verse 42. Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Rebecca came from Haran. This is obviously where her family still resides. So that is her extended family, her brother and and uh, and uh, and nieces and so on. And so she says, you need to go back to him and you need to, to seek refuge there until Esau's anger subsides. Now, how long did she think that that would take? Notice verse 44. Stay with him, that is Laban, stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides. She was expecting that this would only be a few days because Esau is very impulsive. He's irrational. He... He, he's at the boiling point right now. And if he were a cartoon, he'd be completely red. But, but his, his anger is only going to last for a moment, his mom thinks. But it turns out that she never sends for him. Jacob spends 20 years in Haran. And, uh, and so apparently, uh, uh, either Rebecca dies shortly thereafter or, or Esau uh, Esau's anger continues until Jacob leaves there. And uh, the reason that she wants to protect Jacob is because, verse 45, she doesn't want to lose both sons. Look at verse 45 with me. Until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him, then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? That is, why should I be bereaved why, would I, why should I have to mourn the loss of you and Esau? Now, it could be that she was thinking that Esau was as good as dead since he was not seeking to follow God. He sold his birthright. He married Hittite women. Now he kills his brother. could be that he's as good as dead. And so she's mourning the loss like that and, and Jacob will be dead. So, so now that she's mourning the loss of both sons. But probably more likely, if Jacob were murdered by Esau, Esau would have to pay for his sin with his life. Because in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says that, that those who shed man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. The law of retribution that continues on through the New Testament. This timeless principle that God sets up is that if you murder someone, you are to be killed. Your life is to be taken from you. And, uh, and so Esau would be a marked man. The avenger of blood would come after him. He would likely lose his his life. And so, Rebecca saying, if if Esau kills my son Jacob, whom she loved, then I will have to mourn the loss of both him and Esau, who also will be killed. And uh, so, the wicked alienate themselves by responding to grace with anger. Secondly, we see that the wicked alienate themselves through mindless imitation. The wicked alienate themselves through mindless imitation. This is seen in the rest of the passage, verses 46-28. through 9. Rebecca convinces Isaac to send Jacob away in verse 46 and verse 1. She says to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Remember, um, Esau had married these Hittite women and both his father and his mother were, were um, 
were not happy about that. They, they hated the fact that, that he married foreign women. That is, women who were opposed to the true and living God. And so Rebecca speaks to Isaac and she convinces him that Jacob does need to be sent away. Her primary concern um, was, was, uh, was that he is not killed by Jacob. But notice what she says to Isaac in verse 46. Send Jacob away so that he can be protected from his, bro- from his brother to, to take, so that his brother doesn't take his life. That's not what she says. He says, she says, I'm tired of dealing with Esau's wives and I don't want to see Jacob marry those same type, type of wives. She's not honest with her, with her husband. She, she could have just come, up, come out and say it, saying that Esau is seeking to kill him. Instead, she says, I can't, bury, I, I can't bear to see Jacob Another one of my sons marry a Canaanite wife, a Canaanite woman. Isaac recognizes the distress of, of having these foreign wives of his son, and so he buys into her plan. But notice, uh, notice that these daughters of Heth are not good daughters. The end of, uh, in, in verse 46, it says daughters of Heth, but notice what. Isaac calls them in verse 1. At the end it says, you, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. It seems to be interchangeable here that the, the daughters of Heth are, are part of this larger group, the daughters of Canaan. Remember, when, when Abraham was seeking out a wife for Isaac, that was one of the, the requirements that he gave to his servant who was going to seek this wife for Isaac. She can't come from Canaan. Go up to my hometown, to Haran. Turns out that's uh, where she comes from. Come, get her from there and make sure Isaac doesn't go because I don't want him to, to leave here. I don't want him to get an idea. So, so for Isaac, it was actually wrong of him. It would not have been wise for him to go up to this land. Why was it okay for Jacob to leave the land now? Uh, Abraham had sent his servant Eleazar. And he, he, he said two times in that passage, do not send Isaac up there. Whatever you do, make sure she comes back with you. So what, why is it okay for Jacob to leave? Well, remember, there's nothing inherently sinful about Haran. That, that the promised land was where God wanted His people to be, but there are multiple reasons for him traveling there. Remember, his life was in danger. If he stayed in his home there, then he probably would have been killed by his brother. And secondly, there there's another reason. Jacob at this time is, is about 77 years old. It's time for him to find a wife to start having children, believe it or not. And, uh, and so he needed to find a wife for him, himself from his mother's family. And so there's multiple reasons why this was okay, why God allowed this to happen. So Rebecca convinces Isaac, and then Jacob, um, Isaac recognizes that he has this choice of a wife coming up in verses two through five. He tells him to go up to his mother's father's home, uh, Bethuel, the house of Bethuel. He's probably dead by now, but Laban still lives there with his two daughters. This section is here to show the priority of a God-honoring wife, which will be in contrast to what we're going to see at the end of the passage the type of wife that Esau chooses. Jacob is told to go to this place, to his mother's hometown in Mesopotamia. So we're talking about the northern end all the way outside of Israel as you go towards Assyria. Specifically to this place, this 
grandfather's house. And from there, he is to take a wife from his cousins, according to verse 2. And um, you see that at the end of the verse. But then in verses 3-4, through four, Isaac reminds Jacob of the blessings that God is passing down to him. This is an important part of the passage because up until this point, Isaac was not on board with Jacob receiving the blessing. He was flaming mad because Jacob had deceived him. Remember, he was visibly shaken when he found out that Jacob had deceived him. But now we receive confirmation that Isaac has indeed passed on the blessing to Jacob. And we see this in verses 3 and 4. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May He also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you so that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. Remember, Isaac wanted initially to give the blessing to Esau. Even though he knew Esau was a wicked man, he had, he had sold his birthright and he had married Hittite women and still Isaac was willing and wanting, desiring to give it to Esau. But now his tone has changed. And we know that he's thinking that way because of uh, verse 8. Look at, the end, or look at verse 8 with me. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan, that is, the Hittite wives that he married, displeased his father Isaac. Esau recognized that these were displeasing to his father, these wives that he had married. And so uh, Esau... Uh, so, so Isaac is not pleased with, with Esau. Instead, he, he, he passes on this blessing to Jacob. And, and so Isaac finally comes around. This is a good sign because up until this point, we see a, a really lapse in faith by Isaac that it can't go to the younger son. It has to go to the one I favor, the one who, who likes hunting and, and game and that sort of thing like I do. Now, what we should not do, because Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob here and confirms the blessing, we should not say, well, the way that Jacob went about it was right. Now, what we're going to see as the story unfolds throughout Genesis is that Jacob has to bear the consequences of his wrong choices. And that will be clear that his, his choice to deceive his father was wrong. In fact, much of the rest of his life is marked by deception. That is, that other people are deceiving him. And, and so there are consequences to his sin. So just because God gives a blessing, God gives confirmation that he, he is showing His favor on a person does not mean that the way that that, that came about was right. Jacob was in, in no way doing what was right. And so Jacob obeys verse 5 and heads to Pedan Aram to the, the house of his mother's father. And here's really the, the point of this section of Scripture. And that's found in verses 6-9. through Esau's misguided behavior. The wicked alienate themselves by trying to mimic godliness or mimic righteousness. In verse 6, Esau saw what Isaac had done to Jacob. He saw that he blessed Jacob. That he told him to get a wife that was not a Canaanite. Look at verse 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Pat and Aram. 
to take to himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. So, much like his mother, he eavesdrops on, he eavesdrops on the conversation, and he hears he needs to go to his mother's father's house, get somebody from his mother's side of the family, and make sure that it's not a Canaanite. It's not one of these people who are going to turn, turn you away from God. And we know that that's what he's thinking because of verse 8. I skipped ahead earlier, but this is really the point I was trying to make. This is that Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father. Okay, so here's Esau in his mind. My father wants Jacob to marry somebody from my mother's side. It cannot be a Canaanite. So here's how I can please my father. I need to marry somebody who's not a Canaanite. But instead of following Jacob to his mother's side of the family, to Pat and Aram, to get away from his from from Laban's daughters, notice what he does in verse nine. And Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Mahalalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Instead of following Jacob outside of the land of Canaan, to his mother's family, he marries an Ishmaelite, a daughter of, of Ishmael. Now, why would this be an advantage to Esau? Okay, remember, he's trying to he's trying to re-earn the favor of his father. He has fallen out of favor with his father. Isaac has poured out all of his blessing on his younger son Jacob, and Jacob's responsibility was to get a wife, but it can't be a Canaanite. And so Esau says, well, I can do that too, but I can do it one better. I can do Jacob one better. Instead of going to my mother's side of the family, I'm going to go to my father's side of the family. My father has a brother, a half-brother. His name is Ishmael. And if I get one of his daughters to marry me, then I will be in favor with my father again. That's why I say the wicked alienate themselves by trying to mimic what is right. Perhaps his father would overlook the previous marriages to the Hittite women. And maybe he would withdraw that blessing from Jacob and pass it back to Esau where it belonged. And so he tries to mimic what is right, but he doesn't understand why it's right. And so he marries an Ishmaelite woman, which was not the answer. Remember, Ishmael was a wicked man. He married Canaanite women. So his children are, yes, they're descendants of Abraham in one sense, but he wasn't the chosen son of Abraham. Isaac was, for one. And two, he married an Ishmaelite woman. Or he married, excuse me, a Canaanite woman. A pagan woman. A, a woman who was displeasing to God. Ishmael had 12 sons. And so perhaps, and, and obviously some daughters because Esau marries one of them. Esau thought, perhaps if I marry someone from my father's side of the family, my father will be pleased with me again. Now, why did Esau want this blessing so much? We could argue that Esau wanted a good thing, right? He wanted the blessing. He wanted to have the the Messianic line, that is, the Messiah to come through his line. He wanted to, to receive the land to be the inheritor of what Abraham had had been promised. We have two 
people acting in completely different ways in chapter 27. We have Jacob acting in a wrong way by deceiving for the blessing. And we have Esau being willing to kill for the blessing, but then later on trying to make up for it by marrying this this Ishmaelite woman. But there's a huge difference between the two. Esau only had a surface interest in the promise. He only had a surface interest in the blessing and he lacked faith. Jacob believed God's Word, treasured his promise, and had faith even though it was incomplete, as one writer says. It was it was faith. It was minor faith, but it was faith all uh, um, nonetheless. Esau had no faith at all. He was simply trying to accomplish it his own way. And so what the wicked do is they copy the actions of the godly in order to receive His blessing, but they don't understand what God is truly looking for. Jacob, I think, understood by this point. He understood what God was looking for. And he's going to find out that this deception of his father was wrong. It's going to be very clear to him as the stories unfold. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because I want you to see that the ungodly, the wicked person, cannot understand the things of God. They cannot. They are like Esau. So that coworker that you have is an unbeliever. That that family member who's not responding to the gospel, they're simply mimicking what they think is right. They can't understand. And the scriptures tell us why in first Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. The natural man here is an unbelieving person, a wicked person, a person who is opposed to God, who has not been given the eyes to see spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They don't make sense. The fact that you as a believer can see the things of God and can understand the implications of them is a testament to God's grace. Think of what your life would be like apart from the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The eye-opening power that the Spirit gives you to see the world in a biblical way. The natural man cannot do that. Not only do you not uh, not only do they not want to please God, but even if they could They would only be able to go through the motions. They would only be able to mimic what they think is right. Yet with the Holy Spirit, we are able to see the pathway to more grace. We are able to see that the way to get more grace is through properly motivated obedience. Properly motivated obedience. I think we need both of those things. We need to have a right motivation and we need to obey. If we have one without the other, we're not going to receive the grace that God is ready to give. You see, if we just have absent-minded, robotic obedience, we will not receive the grace that God is ready to receive. Let me give you an example. Malachi chapter 1. The people were bringing sacrifices to God. They were obeying God in some sense. But they weren't doing it out of a heart that loved God. They weren't properly motivated in their actions. They were simply going through the motions. 
And God says, you try to take those blind sacrifices, those lame ones, the spotted ones, you try to take those and you try to give those to your governor as a gift. How would he like it? He wouldn't. Why would you give them to me, the God of the universe? I want your best. You see, God requires properly motivated obedience. Not enough just to go through the motions to mimic what we think is right. You need to do it with the right heart attitude. Neither is it right to simply be motivated in a godly way. We also have to follow through and obey what God has said. Sometimes that's just as hard as the other. I think of Aaron when he tried to worship God through the golden calf. I I believe he truly wanted to worship God. He wanted to praise God for what he had done through the Exodus. So he gathers all this gold and he builds a calf and he says, this is God. Worship Him. You see, he had a proper motivation, but he, he, he lacked obedience. God said, don't make an image. It would become very clear when Moses would come down from the mountain. You can have no other gods before. You can't, you can't pigeonhole me into one image. There is no image that satisfies, that, that encapsulates all who I am. I am God. I am much bigger than that. You can't be confined to a small little little calf. So we need properly motivated obedience in order to get on the pathway to God's grace. For Esau, he was trying to receive God's grace, his father's favor. He's trying to do the right thing. But he didn't quite see the point of why he couldn't marry a Canaanite woman. And so he avoids marrying one. I'm not going to marry one. Technically, he married a half Canaanite woman. But in exchange for that, he marries, in exchange for a Canaanite woman, he marries one that's just as displeasing to God, one from Ishmael. So, I ask you, how, how are you using the resources that God has given you? Are, are you on the pathway towards grace? Are you simply just trying to go through the motions? Um, that can be that can be beneficial. I, I would argue that it's better to to obey, even if you don't have the right motivation, than not to obey. Okay, but but what I'm saying to you is that if that's all you're doing, then then you're not going to appropriate God's grace as fully as you could, and and in fact you're not pleasing God as much as you could be. And so what we need as believers is properly motivated obedience. What has God told me to do and how in what spirit ought I to do those things? And you know where all the answers to those you know where the answers to those two questions are? They're in the scriptures. Bathe yourself in the scriptures daily, weekly, be under the teaching of God's word. Listen to God speak. Understand that He's speaking to you. That He designed the Word not just for some people out there and that story may be good for someone else, but He designed it for you. Where do I need to improve in my obedience? Where am I not properly motivated? Where, where am I just going through the motions? One writer said, if, if you're bored with the way that you spend time with God, that is, your reading of the Scriptures, 
you're praying to God, if you're bored with it, then God probably is too. Okay? If you're just going through the motions, what's the point? They get motivated. And, and I can tell you that the Scriptures have all sorts of things that will help motivate us. Um, and I think the main thing that motivates us is what Christ did for us. So for the rest of our service, after we have a hymn, after I pray and we have a hymn, we're going to reflect on our Savior and what He did do for us. And, and that should give us motivation to serve Him. That if Christ was willing to give Himself up when He didn't have to, when He didn't... He, he could have kept the glory, the, the joy of being with His Father. He gave Himself up for you. And, and, and why can we not be motivated to do whatever He asks? Alright, so properly motivated obedience. Not a, not a mindless mimicking of what we think is right. Scriptures teach us what those things are and we need to search those and find those out. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the negative example of both Jacob two weeks ago and now Esau who help us to see in our own lives our, our sin. That, that we, we often are like both of these men. That we are constantly in need of Your grace. We, we need to, You to, to chain us to Yourself that we can be on a pathway to mercy because if left to ourselves, we stray and we, we do it often. We, we want to dabble in the things of the world and, and sometimes we, we hate the feeling after having come out of that. We pray that You'd help us to remain on the pathway towards righteousness and to believe in You even when it doesn't make sense. We don't see all of what's going on in the future. We don't understand all of Your hidden purposes. And you were, we were never designed to. We are finite. But You know it all. Your ways are perfect and we can trust You. And so what You have revealed to us, help us to believe it and to do it and to do it with great joy. Lord, increase our joy. Help us to, to, to be renewed with the joy that we had at salvation. Renew our spirits. Help us to love You more and to be more uh, purposeful in our service of You, not to just mindlessly go through the motions. We want to be adequate and pleasing servants of You, our Master. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.